Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Good morning, church. If you have a Bible, would you turn, please, to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, we'll just read three verses of Scripture in a moment, from verse 14 to 17. Um, I've been doing a bit of reading, obviously, about Colossians. I went to my library and I found a couple of books, uh, um, one specific book that's been helping me and uh, also some commentaries. But and one of the illustrations that I was reading from one of the books it was talking about governments of the world and how governments of the world go to great lengths to protect their, the citizens of their countries uh, from being ripped off or swindled because of counterfeit money. And uh, with the advent of us becoming more and more cashless, this may or may not become a, an issue in the, in, the, in the future, but the key to uh, genuine currency is knowing the quality and the truth or the integrity of the currency. So the Australian government um, have gone to great lengths. Our um, new notes are made of what's called polymer, which is a type of plastic. It's unique. Uh, they have a clear window from top to bottom. Uh, there are three-dimensional images inside of that. If you have, uh, pull out uh, notes, if you do get any notes at any time out of the bank or from somebody, but uh, uh, you'll see that there are three-dimensional uh, figures and uh, uh, um, images in those, in those windows. There's a flying bird on the $50 note. I went looking for it and I couldn't find out why there's an open book. And uh, I, on, the, on the latest $50, note, uh, $50 note, I wanted to find out more, but I didn't have time to research as much as I could. Uh, there's, a, there's a flying bird on one of the notes in, a, in, a, in, a, uh, in the UV light. There's a microprint. There's uh, small text across different parts of the notes. All of this is designed for a reason. He's pulled it out. He's trying to look at it now. Gary, he's one of those kids at school, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's actually got a $50 note. If anybody wants to borrow it and walk out with it, ask him. Amen. Well, <laughs> there are a number of reasons why uh, Australia goes to great lengths to uh, protect the integrity of our, our, of our banknotes, and one of those is because it directly affects our economy. Our economy is depleted when there are false or too many notes being circulated in, in the economy, uh, in, in, in uh, society. And I didn't even realise, but uh, their businesses can't even get reimbursed for counterfeit notes. So that depletes their finances. This has led to some companies even... Uh, being, uh, you know, losing their buying power. This is a reduction in the real value of money, increasing of prices, inflation. There's all these economic reasons. And subsequently, the decrease in the economy affects your life and mine as a citizen of Australia. So the quality of the life of a person in the kingdom of God is also affected by the currency of the kingdom of God and the currency of the kingdom of God includes a number of different factors. Love, faith, 
right? It's linked to grace. That's the currency. But one of the great things about the currency of the kingdom is truth. We depend on truth. We have banked our lives on the fact that this word of God is the absolute and complete truth of God. It's the complete truth of you. It's the complete truth of me. It's the complete truth of God himself. In John 1.17, the Bible says, this, that is, the law was given to us through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Psalms 119.160 says, The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. I thought about as I was asked to preach on the day before we start our 28 days of word and prayer, in what way could I inspire, encourage, challenge our hearts this morning about studying the Word of God? And Paul's letter to the Colossians is a magnificent letter for many reasons, and some people have it as their most favorite book. Pastor Josh is one of those. The founding pastor of Epaphras finds himself in prison with Paul at one stage and we, uh, we understand that as he spoke to Paul about those issues, he, uh, Paul responds with writing this letter and over the course of, uh, of, of the four chapters, two of those chapters he deals with doctrine and two of those chapters he, he deals with practical living. But one of the problems is, over the course of humanity and our existence on the face of the earth, we have a propensity to move away from the truth. That's why Chinese whispers work so well. You tell somebody something, they go tell somebody something, they go tell somebody something, then you go back and find out from that third person. The story's changed a little. It's been elaborated on. It's become evangelistic. The truth is being stretched. And we can all stray into error over a period of time unless we have the firm truth to refer back to. David Jeremiah noted on his uh, opening comments about the book of Colossians, he says the first two chapters of Colossians are theological in nature, the, the last two chapters are practical, telling us how to live out the truth of Christ in daily life by the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say the right truth leads to the right testimony. Correct doctrine leads to a winning walk. I thought about that. I thought I want, I want to live right for God, therefore I need to know the truth. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, in the New Living Translation, it says, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love, for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have the expectation ever since you've, sorry, yeah, you have this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world and it is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives 
just as it changed our lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. I want to preach a message to you this morning about, and I've entitled my sermon, The Wonder of God's Word. And just using three verses from the Bible written in John, this is part of the Lord Jesus' prayer about his disciples. And he draws a contrast between the world and the truth. Beginning in verse 14, just three verses to launch from this morning, the wonder of God's word. I have given you, uh, sorry, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Let's talk firstly about the need for the word. I've been somewhat uh, bewildered or dismayed a little by my uh, encounters with Christians in different places, and it becomes very apparent to me that they're biblically illiterate, that they don't understand the Word of God, they don't read the Word of God, they don't even think about studying the Word of God, and in fact, they don't even use the Word of God or live by the Word of God on their daily basis. I understand that in greater society where Scripture has been systematically removed from our schools and out of our nation's vernacular in in many ways, I can understand people who are unbelievers who don't know the Word of God. But when I find Christians struggling to understand or even refer to the Word of God on how to live, and encountering different problems which would be easily answered if they knew the Word of God, I'm a little bit bewildered. USA, uh, a, a survey was done in the USA and uh, at different times, and also stories have come out, and I'll refer to some of these things that I found this week, but there's a story from 2012, and I don't know if you would have heard it, but there was a 17-year-old girl who collapsed in her workplace with a swollen tongue. The reason this hit the, uh, the news cycles in 2012, it turns out that for her stable diet, that means she ate nothing more, nothing more than McDonald's chicken nuggets her entire life. No fruit, no vegetables, just deep fried chicken. She learned the hard way, as did society on that day, that Man does not live by breaded nuggets alone. That's out of the article. That's not me, okay? (laughs) Scripture tells us something similar in our relationship to the Word of God. We're more than just physical beings, and our spirit needs to be nourished with good fruits and vegetables that come from the Word of God. We are spiritual beings designed to be nourished by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This means if we neglect the Bible, if we don't read it, we don't study it, we don't refer to it, we're in danger of being malnourished spiritually. 
I was listening to more statistics this week and uh, I heard a statistic on uh, Vision Christian Radio and they said 40% of Christian marriages fail in divorce today. But in marriages where both the husband and the wife read their Bible daily, the rate of divorce decreases to 0.15%. That's one in 1,015. I was, I was staggered by that, that if people were just in a marriage, a husband and wife would discipline themselves either together to read the Bible or individually in their own devotions, that it greatly divorce, uh, uh, decreases the divorce rate. Again, pointing to the need to knowing the Word of God. In one survey, I found it quite funny. It said 82% of Americans believe the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is a Bible verse. Even among Bible uh, born-again Christians, 81% believe that the Bible teaches the primary purpose in life is to take care of one's family. Now you're going to say, what's wrong with that? If that's the case, go read your Bible. Because the Bible doesn't teach that. Well, it's a, my first ministry. Yeah, I understand it's your first ministry, but what does the Bible say? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul and strength. It's the first of all. 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> Can you believe that? 50% of graduating high school students in, in America thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. <laughs> now they're funny, but it's tragic. Do you know your Bible? If you don't, this is why the leadership of our church has said, let's go through Colossians together. Let's study together. Let's learn together. And let's go on a journey of enlarging our heart and feeding our spirit and focusing for 28 days. But we're hoping that that 28 days turns into a greater level of you understanding your word and going into deeper study yourself. As we draw closer to the return of Christ, how important is it for us to be able to discern the truth? John 6 and 63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are, uh, are spirit and they are life. The wonder of God's Word is it is it breathes life into your spirit when you read the Word of God. It nourishes your spirit. The inspired Word of God, the Bible, that word inspired means breathe life into, to blow into. Exodus 34 and verse 6 says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, this is Moses, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. What the Bible reveals to you and I is the inspired Word of God breathes into our spirit that God is truth. There is no truth outside of God and His Word. The world's going to lie to you. 
If you are influenced by social media and by the secular media uh, outlets to the extent that it affects the way that you see life, I'm telling you, you're in danger. It is only knowing God and who He is and knowing ourselves and it's revealed through Scripture who we really are. That's the wonder of the Word. It tells you the truth about who you really are. The Word of God tells you who God is. Jeremiah 1 verse 4, it says, The Word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I... Before you were born, I sanctified you. I, adorned, I, I, I ordained you a prophet to the nation. The word of the Lord comes unto you. It breathed life into Jeremiah at that time. He was struggling. He was struggling with who he was. But God breathed life into his spirit and said, I know you, Jeremiah. And I have this plan for your life. That's what reading the Word of God does for you. It reveals to you that God knows you. And He has a plan for your life. Psalm 119, verse 105, says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Why are people so stumbling so much in their Christian walk? Because the Word of God is not a lamp to their feet and a light unto their path. They're tripping over, they're falling, they're stumbling, they're retreating from the things that the Word of God tells us to do because they're not reading God's Word. It's not guiding them. Jesus said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. The Word of God is truth. Truth about the nature of God, truth about the nature of man, truth on how to live the best life ever, even with all our (laughs) hang-ups. The perennial problem with truth is sometimes it's hard to accept and it's confronting. I want to talk to you secondly about the struggle with the word because... As a new convert, I remember hearing this one saying, and it stuck with me. Reading your Bible will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from reading your Bible. It stuck with me that there was a struggle inside of me. Sometimes I didn't want to read what what the Word of God said because it was confronting to me. And the question so often that people ask is, so why don't people see the need for the Word of God? Well, sometimes they see it, they don't understand it, but they struggle with it. As believers, we may acknowledge the need, but somehow believe we can exist without regular reading. Or dare I say it, without even a study of the Word of God. Three reasons people can think like that. Number one, arrogance. Hang on, I'll get through this bit and we'll be fine, okay? Arrogance is, is having or revealing an exaggerated sense of one's own, uh, one's own importance and abilities. Arrogantly, people say, I don't need to read the Bible every day. I've read it before. Go to church on Sunday. Heard the pastor preach. Arrogantly, people say, I don't need it. Second one is ignorance. I didn't know that I needed to read it. 
No one encouraged me. No one challenged me. In Foundations of Faith this morning, I challenged a young man to learn five scriptures. Memorize them. He said he would. Hope you do. He knows about the Word of God. He's going to be taught that the Word of God is important. You have to be encouraged that the Word of God is important. That's why the leadership of this church has set aside different times of the year where we focus as a church to inspire, encourage, and lift you up and say, there is that need, please do it. Indolence is the third one. Now, that's a big word. I know you don't understand all these big words, but let me see how we go. Indolence is the avoidance of activity, or let me define it as one word, lazy. Our struggle with the Word of God sometimes isn't our arrogance or our ignorance. We're just bone lazy. We're just bone lazy. I know it's important. I just don't do it. (laughs) If you can't say amen, say ouch. (laughs) It's like that, isn't it? It's a spiritual discipline, and man, in our flesh, we struggle with spiritual disciplines. Can't I just put it on CD or podcast? Yeah, you can, but there is a real difference. The truth is we all struggle with reading our Word. It's no wonder believers struggle with various issues of life because they don't know God, don't know His Word, and they struggle to get into it. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Hear the word of the Lord. Then he goes on in verse 6 of that same chapter, and he says, My people are destroyed. In other words, that word means to be cut down or cut off, to be brought to silence, to be undone, right? For a lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being my priest forever because you have forgotten the law of your God and I also will forget your children. God's saying a pretty harsh word here. He's saying that the, he's saying because you guys have rejected the word of God, there is a perishing, there is an undoing of people's lives. I want to give you three struggles as well. Three other struggles that we, uh, that we struggle with when it comes down to the Word of God. Number one is distraction. One of the tools that the enemy has used regularly against the people of God is distraction. Because reading your Bible will keep you uh, from sinning, we find that there is always a distraction, not necessarily sin, but it is close to it in the sense that it takes us away from God. One author wrote these words, Perhaps Google really has made us stupid. And we've lost the ability to concentrate. Perhaps we're surrounded by too many distractions. For some, the Bible gets displaced by Instagram or Twitter or even these days, Disney+. Plus. I was thinking about that. How easily are we distracted from the Word of God? It's too hard. Uh, what, what else can I get to occupy my mind here? I'll play Wordle. I actually thought about this sermon calling it Wordle or the Word. But but not everybody knows about Wordle. But anyway, uh, Wordle's a word game. You'd love it. Joe loves it, you know. (laughs) But if it's distracting, don't do it. (laughs) 
See, we live in a soundbite world, don't we? When we go to the news, Google's worked it out that they just give us little bits and pieces. They give us headlines and they give us sound bites. And you can get distracted and go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole with the news. We just want enough to just feed our little interest just a little juicy morsel. We can so easily be busy with work, home, family, sport, and that we just haven't got time for reading. For some believers, uh, uh, for some believers, sustained reading and concentration is such a spiritual uh, matter, it becomes so taxing, they put it in the not worth or not deemed worthy cubbyhole. 2 Timothy 4, uh, 2, 14 to 18 says, remind them of these things. This is the job of the preacher. It says to remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, what the Kardashians are doing, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase the more uh, to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like ca- uh, cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and the overthrow of the faith of and they overthrow the faith of some. Disappointingly, the church has been distracted over the years by trivial arguments that mean nothing. I know churches that have split over whether or not they have have the right colour seats, whether or not they have the right colour, right uh, 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 people in their children's ministry. If it doesn't have a good children's ministry, well, I'm just leaving. Where's the word of truth that that they're rightly dividing, that teaches them? Why are they being distracted by minor issues and making them major? Distracted by cancerous conversations and arguments causing more problems than solutions. Is social media keeping you from being committed to the daily discipline of the study of Colossians this next 28 days? One man wrote, when we neglect reading the Bible, we don't just miss, uh, miss knowledge, we miss God. We're privileged to worship a God who makes himself known to us in words and we're doubtly privileged to have almost constant access to those words. God reveals himself through his word. Another struggle is the obsession with entertainment. The gener- I know people that if the song service is not entertaining, they'll go find another church. We are obsessed with entertainment. Our limited time span means that we need to have something that's glitchy. Entertainment has become king. It's got to be interesting. Can I tell you that reading and studying the Bible's narrative at time is not entertaining? Especially when you're in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, or Job. (laughs) It's hard going sometimes when you read about who begat who. (laughs) But you know that's really important when you study it out. When you study the ages of different people. 
that Methuselah was still alive when Noah built the ark. What? His great-great-granddad was still alive. It blows our mind when you start to really look at it, but, oh, that's not entertaining. That's not interesting. Reading your Bible on a regular, regular basis is not going to entertain you, but it is going to feed your spirit. And it's part of your devotion to your God and your Saviour. Third thing is the obsession with self. Narcissistic and hedonistic society that we live in, our focus is often all about what's in it for me. Our obsession with self convinces us that we know enough of the Bible and we don't need to read too much. Our obsession with self is like, okay, I'm, I, 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 this is okay. I, I don't need to do this. I'm on the throne. I know what's right. I know how to live. I don't need the Bible to tell me how to live. Self-obsessed believers will modify the Word of God. This is worse than not reading. Is they'll modify the Word of God to make it sound and, 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 and form their own, own beliefs by modifying what it believes, what, what the Word of God teaches, the truth. Does it really say that? Is that the original Greek? Is that the original Hebrew? <laughs> they cast doubt over whether servant of the Lord must not strive. What does that mean? Well, he doesn't argue. The word strive means argue. Well, I like a good argument. So I'm going to change that a little bit because I like arguing. In other words, you put self on throne. Just recently, we celebrated the, well, nobody celebrated it, but it is the, uh, on April 15, 1912, the Titanic was sunk. Since that time, they, the scientists and uh, people have examined why and how and written stories, made movies, all that sort of stuff. But witnesses talked about a glancing blow from the iceberg, not something that was as bad as what they thought it was originally. That's why they didn't run to the lifeboats. Safety cha chambers were built into the, into the boat structure, but what baffled scientists who investigated this tragedy was the modifications that the builder, Harland and Wolf, made to the building of the ship. Originally, they were supposed to put in grade four rivets but they put grade three rivets in certain places. They modified it because of costs. Instead of using steel rivets, the grade uh, four rivets, they used grade three, which were iron, slightly less uh, 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 stronger. The problem is they put them in the bow of the ship. And that is exactly where the iceberg tore the ship open was in the bow. Slight modification proved deadly for 1,500 people. Slight, modifica mod slight modifications to the Word of God will prove, prove deadly to any Christian. If you decide to look at Scripture and say, nah, let's change that slightly. 
you're in danger. This is why Paul spent a lot of time debunking the modifications of man. That's why we see in in Colossians him speaking 50% of the time about doctrine. He did the same in Ephesians and Corinthians. My goodness, the first Corinthians where he brings it out constantly. And Galatians, when we studied Galatians two years ago, we saw it as well. He's debunking the modifications that man wants to make to the Word of God. Can I tell you, this Word of God is completely 100% whole and does not need your modification or mine. Good preaching, Brett. I thought so too. Paul spends this time because they're they're coming to him. They're culturally, there's a pressure. There's also the pressure of those who believed in the Torah. They believed, and you'll read about it because they talk about diet, holidays, and circumcision. In the 1928, 1928, Harry Einsight, in his lectures on Colossians, wrote this. It is a single mercy that in his wisdom, God allowed every possible form of error to arise during the apostolic age of the church history. In order that all might be exposed and the truth declared, that thus the faith in its simplicity might be preserved from one generation to the next. As a result of this, Satan has nothing new to offer. Old heresies are merely redressed and brought forth as new conceptions of truth. That's why Paul spent so much time bringing out doctrinal truth. That's why you need to know it, so you can discern the truth. And this day and age, when there's, when there's so much deception and so much modification going on, last thing, and I haven't got long, so hang in there. The wonder of the Word is there's power in the Word. There's power in this Word to change and make your life better. I want to give you every good reason to study for the next 28 days the book of Galatians. I want to give you every good reason to be a faithful person of reading your Bible in your daily devotions. I want to give you every good reason that you will uphold this Word of God and even stand for the Word of God. Did you know there are people who have died for our Bible to make sure that we have this Bible in our hands today? Because they believed in the integrity of the currency of the kingdom of God, which is truth. God's truth prevails. In our text, Jesus says this in his prayer. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. The word of God was changing these men and conforming them to the image of God or the image of Christ. And because of that, the world hated them. Can I tell you, there are going to be people that are not going to be very impressed with you as you stand on the Word of God. If you stand on the biblical morality that the Bible teaches, you are going to come into conflict with the people of the world today. We're not going to be the most favoured people on the block because we believe in the Bible in its entirety. That's why you need to know it. That's why you need to read it. That's why it needs to become part of the fibre of your spiritual being. That you can stand firm on the Word of God because it has power to change lives. 
It was the Word of God that has changed my life. Under the constant reading of the Word of God and under the constant preaching of the Word of God, my life has been transformed. And I am so thankful for a God that transforms our life by the truth of His Word. And I'm spitting pretty good right now. I'm sorry for all those in the first couple of rows. Jesus prayed that his disciples receive the word of encouragement and would live by it. We're not just asking you to read and study and gain knowledge over the next 28, 28 days. We're asking you to say, God, change me. Sanctify me by your word. Your word is truth. That might come as a bit of a confrontation to you. There might be some things that you're going to have to deal with. My religious background was Catholicism and I had this uh, works mentality for years. I had to constantly be bombarded by the, by the word of God that it's grace, his salvation, his work in me, not my work. The wonder of God's word is that he reaches down into your life and he pinpoints issues in your spirit and in your soul and in your thinking. That's why Hebrews 4.12 is a powerful, powerful verse that I've never forgotten. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and bones and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what Colossians will do to you over the next 28 days. God's holy finger is going to come out and point to something in your life and pinpoint it and say, I'm doing this in you. It's a good thing I'm doing in you. I've been transformed over the years by reading his word. Romans 12, 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may improve what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. I am encouraging you to read it, hear it, embrace it, live it, and be transformed. My exhortation for you is to again exalt Scripture to the place of authority in your life. There's a term that's used in, script, uh, uh, in Christian circles. It's called the authority of Scripture. I think it's been lost. Put Scripture where it should be in the place of authority in your life. It is God's Word for you. Back in 1984, I was struggling with this whole mentality of learning and growing and I was reading my Bible and I said God why am I going through so much struggle right now what the heck is happening Lord and I'm pouring out my heart before him got my Bible open and I turned and, I'm, and my daily Bible reading was Romans chapter 5 and I began reading verse 3 tribulation works patience patience works experience and experience works hope Ah, oh, now I get it. <laughs> it was a light bulb moment. 
that everything I was going through, God's working in that and through those circumstances to transform me so I could have a better life and be better for Him and to know Him more. The authority of Scripture means God's Word shapes your life. Our society, our governments, our social media may reject the authority of Scripture, but I'm asking you today to make a commitment to accept and put the authority of Scripture where it should be in your life. I'm encouraging you to become like the people of Berea, Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. The, uh, he said, Paul and Silas, they go to Berea and he says, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed and not also a few of the Greeks and prominent women as well as men. 1 Timothy 4.13 Till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation and to doctrine. What part of that's hard to accept? Give attention to reading, exhortation and doctrine. And then 1 Timothy 4.15 says, Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. The wonder of the word is as we give ourselves to them, our progress is evident to all. I see people growing. He's not here and he won't listen to this, so I'll tell you. Jason Clack went through, he's now out at Ellenbrook. He went through Foundations of Faith with me. And over a period of the last three years, I have seen that man grow in the things of God. I'm excited for him because he's growing in the things of God. He took what, just that short bit of course that helped him in so many things and then he went and he began to establish things in his own life by reading and accepting and he has the authority of Scripture in his life. He still comes to my Bible study every fortnight and I just love seeing the growth in his life. It's evident to all. Henry Thoreau said these words, rather than love, the money and then fame, give me truth. Truth changes you. Truth changes you. I believe the human heart yearns for truth because truth is transforming. And it all points back to Jesus, doesn't it? Because who, who's the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus. Whereabouts is that, by the way? Is that in the Old Testament or the New Testament? John 14, 6. It's an easy scripture. But it's one of those key scriptures that you learn. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The middle part of that, he'll show you which way to go. He'll give you a good life. But the middle part of that, truth. A relationship with Jesus means you have the truth. I want to encourage you today to make a commitment to the Lord before you leave this auditorium. Before you leave today, maybe you want to bow your heads right now, close your eyes. I want to encourage you right now 
Don't worry about what anybody else is doing, anybody moving. Don't be distracted right now. But I want you to make a commitment to the Lord between you and Him about the Word of God. Might be about the authority. Might be about study. Might be your commitment. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go all 28 days of this and I want, I want to establish a habit that goes further. I want you to spend some time in prayer just for a moment before God. Maybe you need to repent of distraction, of self-exaltation. Maybe you're one of those who, folks who just really didn't understand how important the Word of God is and, and you're, you just need to make a commitment. I'm going to read my Bible, not just for the next 28 days in Colossians, but I'm going to make a habit of reading your word and knowing it. I want you to be encouraged, be inspired. This word of God will change you. It will encourage you. It will do something in your life and give you direction, strength. It'll give you answers for how to raise your kids. It'll give you answers for your relationships. It'll give you money answers. It'll give you answers on how to live your life. Embrace the truth of God's Word and put the authority of Scripture above every other thing. Maybe you need to say, I'm not going to look at social media. Maybe you need to make a commitment to God. I'm not going to look at social media for 28 days. While we're in Colossians. I'm going to do that for you, Lord. I'm going to let your word influence me more than the world. As heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed, and people are praying in this place. Thank you for being so attentive. And I really do feel like people were receiving what I had to say today and engaging with that. But maybe today your heart is not right with God. Jesus said you must be born again, a spiritual transformation. If you've never been born again, it's where your sins are washed and your light, the light of God's love and His grace shines into your heart and you learn that He has a purpose and a plan for you. We want to pray with you before we leave this building if you're not born again. Maybe you have been in times past and you need to recommit your life to Christ because you know your life's not going very well at the moment. Sin is the issue. It's not the government. It's not anything else. It's not your family, the problem. It's our sin. Personalize it. My sin. And if you'll give your life to Jesus and ask him to forgive you, if you'll say yes to Jesus, he'll begin to change your life for eternity. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com dot au